0: Together, we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is Celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our extended family joins with us online. People watching all over the world. Before we go any further, I want to remind you of uh, how we do our offerings around here. You can use the uh, envelopes on the seat backs in front of you and put whatever cash or checks you want to put in there. You might want to do something special today because today is missions Sunday and just designated as such. Uh, and you can put it, give it to the off, uh, buckets that the ushers will hold <laughs> on the way out of the building uh, after the service. Uh, uh, You can give online, celebrationchurch.tv, or you can use your phone. Actually, your phone's kind of a great day, great thing to use on a Sunday, like Mission Sunday, particularly if you didn't bring any cash or checks with you. You can just go... There and give something special uh, for missions as we raise money for ministries all over the world. Uh, there's been a wonderful spirit of generosity that has fallen on a gen- uh, celebration church over the last several months. It's been quite fabulous to see, rather m- miraculous from my standpoint. It's been amazing. I shared with you last week how someone had mentioned the carpeting and this whole setup and said, What would we have to do to, to fix this and make it all permanent and change it? and uh, uh, somebody asked my son, and he said, well, we checked, it's about $15,000. He said, well, I'll give a third. Uh, you go find two other thirds. So I announced it on the first service last Sunday, and right after the first service, another guy came forward, and it says, I'll give the second third. And after I announced it in this service, another guy came forward, and says, I'll do the final third. So praise the Lord. All that's come in. If you have any other thirds out there, let me know. We'll continue to take whatever. I got lots of projects in my head. Uh, So we're excited about that. Uh, Anyway, um, oh, and it'll take a while. You know, it's just this whole thing of COVID and everything's delayed. You order something, it takes months to get what used to be. They'd send out the next day. And it's just been a zoo. So it's all paid for. It's ready to go. It'll get fixed whenever the stuff shows up which we have no idea. But uh, (laughs) sooner the better as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Today, uh, before I bring the message, we have a special guest that is joining with us. Uh, Pastor uh, Mario Castro and his wife Yalile is here. They are from Costa Rica. Pura Vida! That's their phrase in Costa Rica, which means pure life. That's their slogan of the whole country pure life. Pura vida! Which, what a great thing to say. Anyway, uh, I met them 12 years ago. They were the first church in uh, Latin America that invited me to speak and was down there. And uh, they are a church much like ours. And we're connecting with these like-minded churches and stuff. And I invited them to come to spend the weekend with us. We've been having a fabulous time. They're in the service this morning. Pastor Mari's going to come and just give you a quick greeting. Give a hand for Pastor Castro.
1: Good morning, Celebration Church. My name is Mario Castro. I come from Costa Rica. That's the only thing that I know in English. <laughs> but I have my help here. My wife's uh, is Yalile. We have been married for 42 years. We are pastors at Vida Abundante del Este Church in Costa Rica, a church that is committed with the great commandment at the Great Commission, as Jesus asks in the book of Matthew. We are very excited to be here and share time with your pastors, Mark and Diana, and we hope to learn a lot from this church and how to serve our King Jesus better every day. Thank you for this opportunity to learn from you. God bless you. Thank you again. Amen. Thank you. Uh, you can meet them
0: afterwards and uh, chat with them. Like, especially if you speak Spanish. That would be very helpful. <laughs> so they know what the heck you're saying. But uh, anyway, uh, good to have them with us. Uh, coming up, the... Uh, 4th of July weekend, we've got three weeks to go, um, on July 3rd, which will be that Sunday for that weekend, uh, Jimmy Bratch is coming to speak, and we're excited about that, uh, and he's going to be playing the guitar. We're going to be doing a blues worship set. It'll be cool, so it'll be fun. So, uh, and then after the service, all you bikers out there, bring your Harleys, your mopeds, whatever. And, uh, and he's going to do a bike blessing uh, he does all the time for people. So we're going to bless those bikes, ask for God's protection over you driving those things around. <laughs> uh, anyway, also, there'll only be one service that day, and it won't be this one. All right, that means get up a little early, moan and groan, I know, just the 9 o'clock service. If you come that, and we'll keep reminding you. But if you show up on July 3rd at this time, you'll be the only one here. Unless others show up at the same time. You can have your own service out in the parking lot. I don't know. Anyway, my recommendation, come early. Why? So we can have the rest of the day to celebrate this big summer weekend that we have in Wisconsin. Uh, We love summer here. Last year it was on a Thursday. So we want to enjoy it as much as we can and take advantage of it. So keep that in mind. Last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. We had our Pentecost service with a Bishop Daniel Zapula. Had a great time. Many people, very, very blessed. Uh, <laughs> it took us a little while to get organized with this thing. Uh, I think when these guys come, they're not used to the kind of response that our church gives. I think they come to a church and maybe 40 people will come forward. That's just an amazing night. You come to this church. You say you have a blessing for people and all 500 people are going to line up, and, uh, and which is great. speaks a lot about you guys. It really shocks them, actually. And I said, know that's why I was trying to get you to line up right. So anyway, uh, a little like herding cats, but uh, we'll do better, and I will definitely warn the next guys, there's going to be 500 people. Everyone wants you to pray for them. So you can't spend five minutes each, or it's going to be a really long night. All right. So we're excited about that. Um, This morning, uh, reading from Matthew's gospel, we're gonna start chapter six, verse nine, a very familiar portion of scripture that we all just recited mere moments ago. It goes like this. Jesus is talking about prayer. This is the context and the importance of prayer and how to pray. And he says, this then is how you should pray. And he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Uh, The traditional prayer we use uses the word trespasses, some more modern words, sins. He's praying, forgive us our sins as we forgive people who sin against us. All right? And then that ends with, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. But then he keeps talking. This is the part most people are seemingly unaware of. Why does he keep talking? Because he knows he just said something that was completely shocking to their ears. What was it? Well, there's a lot of it in here. Calling God Father." That was a radical concept. Up until this time, Oh, thou most omnipotent God in the heavens, you know, it was a very distant, very formal way to address God. Jesus says, call him father. Father. God, we can call father. That's radical. But that's not what shocked their minds. He says, pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You mean we don't have to wait to die before we can experience God. That's the good news. You can experience God right here, right now, in this very earth, in in your life. God can show up. Uh, The kingdom On earth, as it is in heaven. That's pretty radical. Particularly, they'd never heard of anything like it. But that is not what rattled their brains. Give us today our daily bread. You mean to tell me God actually is concerned about your daily needs? The answer is yes. And God will help you. I know at times we all struggle in life. Life is hard. This is not heaven I just saw a movie the other day, some ignorant movie. And the, the whole point of it, heaven is really here on earth. I'm thinking, if this is your version of heaven, it sucks to be you, man, because this, this, this place is hard. This is not heaven, I guarantee you. But we can experience heaven on earth. God will give us our daily bread, care for us. And he says, and lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. Boy, and if there's a time to be praying... For God's protection in our lives, for your children's lives, your grandchildren's lives. It is today. Evil is going amok in our country right now. You know, we had the one shooting in Texas, but that was just the beginning. The whole last week, all kinds of people all over the place are shooting. It's like, what's going on with people? Their brains are all popping. Demons are all working overtime, causing people to do outrageous things. People often say, well, why didn't God protect them? I don't know. Were they praying to be protected? See, God answers prayers when we pray. The number one reason people don't get answers to prayer, they do not pray. They hope, they wish, they cross their fingers. That's not praying. You need to actively pray, God, protect us from evil. Protect my children from evil. Protect my family, my loved ones, because evil is running amok. Deliver us from the evil one. That's pretty radical. But that's not what fried their brains. What fried their brains was the statement where he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive others their debts. Because Jesus then continues to say, remember, this is all in context. As soon as he says, this is how you pray, then he says, when he gets to that, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. He gets even stronger. He says, if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. That's a pretty strong statement. I put it on Facebook one day. If you don't forgive people, God will not forgive you. Jesus. People went psychotic. Psychotic. You can't say that! Jesus said it, you nimrod. But people are crazy. You want entertainment? Just post something on Facebook. Grab the popcorn, sit back, put your feet up, and watch the insanity go loose. Christians yelling at me, you can't say it. Jesus said it, you dummy! I didn't say it! I didn't say that, but I thought it. But we all know that you can't just take... One verse and run amok with one verse. The scriptures teach us as pastors, we have to, the King James version, which I grew up with, says to rightly divide the word of truth. It means you got to balance it all out. You can't just go off on one thing and ignore other things. You have to balance it all together. And there's a principle called in the mouth of two, (laughs) two or three witnesses. In other words, you got to find more than one verse that says something. If you see one verse that says something, you can reflect on it, think about it, but you can't go too crazy on it because there's no other verses that back it out. No other, there's several, actually, in the New Testament, things that Paul said in particular that, quite frankly, a lot of people have no idea what he's talking about, uh, and they get all crazy about it. you got to relax. There's no other verses about it. In one place, he talks about the length of hair that men and women should have. Nobody knows what he's talking about. He says, uh, women should have their heads covered out of respect for the angels. What angels? Are they good angels or are they bad angels? You know, I have no idea what he's talking about. Nobody knows what he's talking about. So some people pay attention and others. And there's no warning that if you don't do this, God's going to bring judgment. There are some things. It's just one verse. It's just out there and just, okay, deal with the best you can. But you don't make a big deal out of it. There's a place where Paul makes a reference. We don't even know what he's talking about. And we don't know if he was mocking something that Corinthians were doing because he wrote to them. He says some passage about, then why are you baptizing for the dead? Baptize for the dead. We don't baptize dead people. Or we don't stand in lieu of dead relatives and baptize for them. We don't do that. Why? Even though there's some reference to it, it's one verse. We don't know what he's talking about. And there's no other verses, okay? We pay attention to multiple statements in the Scriptures. The mouth of two or three witnesses rightly dividing the word of truth. That's how you get to the truth, and you know, you can stand on it. Are there any other verses where Jesus says anything like this? That if you don't forgive people, God won't forgive you. That's a strong statement. Well, you don't have to go very far. Just a few chapters down the road in the Gospel of Matthew, we read this. Jesus said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven, this is Matthew 18, 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Now, that's an astronomical uh, amount of money. I don't see how anybody would ever (laughs) even control that much wealth. You you know how much an ounce of gold is? Like $1,800 for an ounce. Can you imagine a bag of gold? The wealth just in a bag of gold is stunning. In this analogy, he owes 10,000 bags of gold. How anybody gets that big of a debt, you think their credit cards would be limited at that point? I have no idea. But he's making a very strong point here. This person has a great debt. And he was brought to the king. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife... And his children and all that they had be sold to repay the debt. You think it's awful having uh, bill collectors give you a call. Back in the day, they had debtors' prisons. Actually, it wasn't all that long ago. Even 150 years ago, so they still had debtors' prisons, uh, which we all did, did away with, thank God. But uh, people would go to jail. If you had debt, you couldn't pay. You wound up in a huskowl. Or you had to go to a, a, a forced camp and work and, until you could repay the debt. Uh, And in this day, they would take you, they would take your wife, they would take your children and sell them into slavery. Uh, Debts were a really big deal back in those days. So this guy is devastated hearing this news. And at this, verse 26, the servant fell on his knees before the king and said, be patient with me. He begged, And I will pay back everything. How he could even imagine he could pay back such a debt. I don't know, but he said, just be patient and I'll return it all. And the servant's master took pity on him and just canceled the debt and let him go. The guy gets down, begs. The king goes, ah, forget about it. Wow. Wouldn't it be great if your bank called you up and said, Forget about it. That'll be a good day. That's what happens to this guy. I mean, the news, the joy, the weight lifted off of his mind and his shoulders had to be stunning. But verse 28 says, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. It was virtually nothing. But he grabs the guy and begins to choke him and says, pay back what you owe me. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went back and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called that servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. Let me read that again. He hands them over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay it all back. And look what Jesus says. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is even stronger than the statement he said before. Based on the teachings of Jesus and multiple scriptures, forgiveness is not an option for us. Every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, forgive me as I forgive other people, but you don't forgive them, you aren't getting forgiveness. You know what happens to you if you don't get your sins forgiven? Yet we struggle. I'm often amazed by how many Christians treat forgiveness as an optional thing. There are optional things in the faith experience. Uh, whether you tithe is optional. You should. There'd be great blessings if you did, but you're not going to get in trouble if you don't. Whether you speak in tongues is optional. Many people don't want anything like that. I think you're the less for it, but it's optional. There's lots of things in faith that is optional. Whether you pray every day, quite frankly, is optional. You're not going to get in trouble if you didn't pray yesterday morning or pray tomorrow morning but forgiveness is not optional. This is absolutely not optional. We have to forgive people. Bishop Zapolo was here last week. and He alluded to his story. He kind of danced around it. Didn't really tell the whole story. And I'll tell you why in just a minute. But, uh, and, you know, when he alluded to it very quickly. I caught it, but his... African accent was really strong. (laughs) He just going past it. A lot of people didn't catch it, but when he was a young boy at four years of age, uh, his mother died. Very likely, she starved to death. He he was in a part of Africa that was experiencing a great famine. I think he had some siblings that uh, died as well. Uh, As he said, He was, what, number 33 of 34 children, 36 children. That's a lot of children. Uh, His father had seven or eight wives. That helps. But, uh, you know, so she dies, siblings, and they literally would just starve to death. They struggle every day to make ends meet. Um, Then he was given to one of the other wives, mothers, who didn't like him because those siblings, those kids weren't hers and treated him very harshly. And then somebody, he doesn't say who, I never got that answer from him. I would think very likely his own father sold him into slavery, sold him to a Muslim family for $20. And then he goes and he is now a servant, a young boy and is serving in this home. As their slave, he doesn't have his own life. By the way, slavery, you think it's all gone. It's not. The world still has slavery. The world's desperate t- governments are trying to get rid of it. But in some cultures, it still is under the radar. They literally take people, enslave them, and force them to work without compensation. And then he was sexually abused brutally by both men and women in this home. It's a shocking story. If you were to hear all of it, it'd just blow your hair back. It was quite awful. He was so poor uh, and had nothing, literally had no clothes. He didn't put on his first pair of clothes, something he made. It's funny how he describes his first outfit that he put on. Uh, but uh, until he was 13 years old, he was as naked as the day he came out of his mama's room, buck naked. Uh, And you see pictures of this in these poor areas, these kids running around with no clothes, they just didn't have anything. Uh, About age 13, someone shares with him the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he comes to faith in Christ. And I didn't catch it because there are big pieces missing as he's sharing, even to me afterwards. Uh, But he eventually starts to succeed in in his life as a Christian, Uh, starts getting educated, um, he started very, I think, he's 13 or 14, by the time he got to the first grade. And that was his first experience. Little older kid. He's as old as one. I'll bet. And, uh, but he goes on. He becomes highly educated. He's a very educated man. I think he's the third person in his country that got a PhD. He's a very successful man. And he has other degrees as well. He eventually gets his way. To Canada is where he immigrates to, and I share the story how (laughs) one of the first things he did when he came to to Canada, he saw a very large woman, and he just exclaims, you must be very blessed, for you are very fat, you know, which is something we don't say, but in Wisconsin, we are very blessed, okay? So, you can imagine, a country where he comes from, people literally die... Of starvation, see people who are actually large people. He just had a difficult time comprehended it. He goes on. He becomes a very successful businessman, again highly intelligent, also a very successful pastor. Uh, then he becomes a bishop and then an archbishop in the organization we've been talking about, the CEEC. A very influential man, still very influential in Africa to this day. He goes back to Africa and invests his money in starting businesses. And what he does is he goes to find these people who abused him, forgave them, and gave them all jobs. Wow. They're literally supporting themselves today because of his generosity. And I'm looking at him, why don't you share the story? He says, well... He says, I I can't do it anymore because of social media. You know, people can see me online all over the world, and I'm afraid that one of them might see me talking about it, and then they will feel ashamed for what they did to me. So rather than share the story, I'm sharing it. He doesn't share it for fear that someone in Africa will see a piece of it online And they will feel badly for what they did to him. Wow. What a level of forgiveness this man is walking out. It was stunning to hear when he shared it. I wish he would have shared it with all of us, but it's amazing. I couldn't help but think, you know, how much stupid little things that we get mad about. I know Christians that just struggle forgiving other people's people. They're mad because their cousin didn't come to their wedding. Who cares? Get mad because their neighbor's dog poops in your yard. <laughs> Maybe you needed fertilizer. Who cares? Mad about this, that, and the other. Mad at my kids. Mad. Oh, Here's a big mad at my ex. My ex is horrible. Well, that's why he became an ex. Exes who are not horrible usually don't wind up in the X category. (laughs) Let it go. Let it go. Don't hang on to stuff. One of the most ridiculous ones I ever saw was... uh, (laughs) My son-in-law, Ross, was doing a wedding in in Appleton. and the family, you know, weddings are kind of free-for-all. However you want your wedding to go, you just tell us. We'll accommodate you as much as possible. Uh, the only thing I don't accommodate, if you want me to marry you, you don't get to say your own vows. No, I don't play that game. You make me feel like a warm puppy on a summer day is not a vow. I only do the traditional vows. I had a couple last one I married. How come you won't listen? Because. Say that in private. All right. Better for worse, sickness or in health. That's a vow. But everything else is a free-for-all. Whatever you want. And this one couple asked, the family asked Ross to make sure that that you say the Lord's Prayer as part of the ceremony. Of course, Ross forgot, and he didn't do it. Afterward, the family was livid. They said, we will never forgive you for not saying the Lord's Prayer. I said, "The, the, the prayer that says, forgive us as we forgive others. I won't forgive you for not saying a prayer about forgiveness. People are crazy. This stuff gets poisonous. When I listened to his story, I felt ashamed. I just did. We all struggle with people, right? We get mad about stupid stuff. And here's a guy who just has every right in the world to be angry. Angry to be vengeful, to strike back. And he does the complete opposite. Wow. You say, Pastor, I struggle. I get it. Sometimes it's really hard to forgive people for whatever reason. Compared to this, I'm sure your reason isn't really that big a deal, but maybe it feels like a big deal to you. And some people do terrible things here as well. But at the end of the day, you got to let it go. It's not optional for us. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. You got to let it go. And if you're struggling, man, just tell God you're struggling. Tonight before you go to bed, get on your knees and ask God, God, help me forgive so-and-so. I can't do it. I need your help. Watch what God will do in your heart. But when you do this, it's not me yelling at you about this. I'm not yelling at anybody. I'm just saying, this is your key. This is not optional. You want God to forgive you? You have to forgive people. In your past and in your future. I promise you, some nimrod is going to do something that really takes you off. It's only 25 after 11. Who knows what will happen before the day is up. People do mean things. just—it It is what it is. Don't cheer that. I'm just, bring it on. Bring it on. It's not optional for us. Some stuff's optional. This this is that You got to let it go. And if you're struggling, let it go. Ask God to help you. Let it go. You don't want to be in a situation on that great day when God says to you, ah, sorry. You hated this guy. You wouldn't forgive that person. Whatever your reason is, it will mean nothing to God. One of the powerful points about this whole last parable is that The one guy owed such a high debt. That was an analogy for us. We have no, you have no idea. We are surrounded by sinners, so there's a bit of sinner comfort, if you will. Right? I'm awful, but you should beat my cousin. All right? I'm a horrible person. Have you met my mother-in-law? All right? And, And at some point, you don't feel quite as bad for being a rotten person. But before God, it's all really bad. It's a great debt. All of our sins can be forgiven. But in return, we must forgive others who sin against us. They owe us a hundred silver coins. It's nothing. Not when you owe 10,000 bags of gold. We're going to turn our attention to our time of communion now. This is where we celebrate forgiveness. We have forgiveness because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross 2,000 years ago. His body was broken His blood was shed so we could have forgiveness of sins as we put our faith and trust in him. But the Bible says before you take communion, you should pause and examine yourself. So we're gonna do that now. I'm gonna ask you all to bow your heads. And if you're one of these people, you've got something against somebody you haven't forgiven them for, man, let it go. Let it go right now. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. Before we partake of the bread and the cup this morning and in obedience to the scriptures, we pause to examine ourselves. If we've sinned against you in thought, word, or deed by what we've done, by what we've left undone, if we have not loved you with our whole heart, if we've not loved our neighbors as ourselves, if we have refused to forgive others for the sake of your beloved son, Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins, have mercy on us we pray and forgive us of all of our sins and as we're praying this morning people are reflecting maybe you're visiting maybe maybe been here a hundred times i have no idea but you've never truly surrendered your heart to jesus you can do that right now maybe you're thinking man i don't have anything like what you guys are talking about that kind of faith in god well right now just in your own words ask jesus christ to come into your life and ask him to forgive you and see what he does It's an amazing thing. You can start taking your first steps of faith this very day. Amen.